It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, and you. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240, or where you hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network, 1-800-825-5865. Can email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Can watch the show and contribute on the stream. We'll get to your comments as much and as many as we can. Hail Varsity YouTube, subscribe to that, like it, tell a buddy, and of course the podcast on your terms and time, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Also follow the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Can find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Can find Connor Clark on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 127 at Schmidt underscore Radio. For me, we've got a trifecta to hit today. Husker basketball back in action after a week of rest. How much rust will need to be knocked off? Husker baseball off to a 1-0 start as they down Baylor 4-1 down in Arlington. Some thoughts on Nebraska football as we gear up. I think I saw 80 days till spring football gets rocking. So there is that uh, interesting question uh, in uh, Mitch Sherman's mailbag with The Athletic, how ready is ready for Dylan Raiola? Is he ready to be QB1? We also toyed with some of those coin flip games, four of them that Brandon Vogel had circled with the first power rankings that came out. So we can tackle all of it. We're pretty loaded up as well. Extremely loaded up. Yeah, so excited <laughs> to talk with uh, Jacob Padilla. Jacob will talk hoops with us. Uh, some Nebraska and Creighton, some high school scene setting for the weekend as we're into district play shortly for girls and uh, boys action as state is around the corner. Jabba Chamberlain will join us, the triple play podcast man, uh, Jabba Yankee and and, uh, Husker great. Uh, He'll be with us at 440, get his impressions, his take on what he saw today with Nebraska's win over Baylor. The pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman with us coming up at uh, 5 o'clock. And then Connor Onions uh, going to be with us at 525 BTN. He has the call tomorrow at PBA. Are you red beer? Are you orange beer? Are you Bloody Mary uh, for 11 a.m. kickoffs and tip-offs? Because I know the rail yard will be maybe pouring a little Irish coffee. See, I was going to say Irish coffee. You're going Irish coffee. But other than that... If it's not an Irish coffee, you know, if I'm working and I got to keep it in check, then I'll go with the orange beer. Okay. But if, if I'm allowed to drink. I'll go with the red. We've done this usually on our Saturday morning shows when we're all craving one. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and some of us may be having one. See, the, the preferred way to go, and I've done this on enough Premier League mornings at home on either a Saturday or a Sunday, is to go Irish coffees because if you, you go get, oatmeal and Guinness, don't you? Well, no, 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 no. You go, you go the, the Irish coffee and you keep it simple, um, where it's, you can do like the, uh, the cream, like to go get yourself some heavy whipping cream and turn it into a whip and put it on top. Or you just go simple and just go Jack Daniels and black coffee. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I thought you went, after I it. thought it was Bailey's and coffee. Most people That's do, what I but thought they're not having fun. <laughs> but I'm Elijah and I have hair on yeah. my chest. Yeah. You go Jack Daniels and black coffee because the coffee gets you up. That's an American man Jack, right there. The coffee gets you up, the Jack Daniels gets you down. So you just stay, maintain like, right down the middle the whole way. Elijah's, you get the portions Elijah's, right. He lives in the woods. And he wears plaid. He may or may not have an axe or several. Uh, if he's going with Jack and coffee in the morning, uh, let's get roll call. That's, that's what I do combo. before our Saturday morning show most of the time. <laughs> Elijah, why do you look like hell? Don't talk to me. Uh, let's get to roll call our starting five. We always shout out our first five in the stream as NU Grandpa got in at 3:40. Jeff edged out by a nose. Jeff in at number two. Mike checks in at three. Mr. Snitley, Jeff Snitley in at four. Black Hills Brennan in at five. And uh, Eat Beef checks in, says uh, TGIF. Artist uh, formerly known as KG Kids for Life. Uh, Am I late? Uh, From first to last, what a fall from grace. Tuck wants us to talk about urinal design today. Uh, And, you know, we we got off on the little red tangent yesterday to, to get things rolling uh, I, I just think no matter what happens with South Stadium, all the reconstruction and redesign and the beauty that will be uh, a facelift to a 100-year-old stadium, you got to leave the troughs. And it's not because That's just my, I my love statement the for America. So I love not standing in line. And the troughs oh, really yeah. eliminate standing in line. My, my one thing Efficiency. is I want less reflectivity off the troughs, not in a visual sense, <laughs> but in like a, a splatter sense. Right. Is give me give me some ergonomics to it so it doesn't splatter back on me. But if you can if you can cover that, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with the troughs. My 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 trough <laughs> horror story. <laughs> there are so many titles for today's episode. Last two and a half minutes. Let me just preface it was it was when Junior was, I don't know, four or five, and he, he went to his first spring game, and he had to go. So we weave our way down from wherever we were sitting, and there's the troughs and. I just kind of airlifted him, and he stood on the edge of the trough where I, you know, his he was. I was <clears throat> he was facing the trough and did his so. thing right. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. There wasn't any friendly fire. <laughs> on, That's one way to put it. On the other patrons, <laughs> but Junior did his thing and lifted him up. He had his little feet on, or his you know his his feet on the the edge of the trough and. Did his thing, then airlifted him down, and away we went. Airlifted him up to wash his hands, and, and away we went. You know, it'd be funny to recreate that now with seventeen-year-old Junior. <laughs> junior's, ta- junior's taller than I am. Now. That's what would make him. He's gonna be lifting me up. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine walking into a Memorial Stadium bathroom, and there's a dude and his seventeen-year-old taller son pushed up <laughs> yeah. on the edge of the trough. <laughs> He he would he would no. absolutely he'd, he'd start swinging on me. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Time to take the title. Uh, uh, that make it even funnier. Oh no, uh, no Junior with his pants around his ankles swinging, swinging on you into the bathroom. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, see, so, so we, we've gone from from Jack and coffee to friendly fire uh, to, and well, I quote, I, swinging just, on you. We, and Tuck, thank you for leading us down this yellow brick road. Uh, I'd like your, to know I did not mean it in a helicopter kind of no, way. No, right, yeah, right. You should just be quiet. Uh-huh. <laughs> Connor is invoking timeouts 13 minutes into the show. A uh, high brow today, I know, uh, and you, Grandpa. Uh, Andrew checks in. Uh, Scott asks, what's up, guys? Uh, we are going to just delete this show from all <laughs> podcast memory. Yeah, and if you're also eight minutes into the podcast, stick with us here. We promise we have actual sports we, talk We coming. do, and, and that's, that's where we're going. So let's start with baseball because a lot of anticipation for Nebraska and what a, a job uh, Nebraska did, right? Uh, they they used four different pitchers. They allowed just one run, uh, no walks, nine strikeouts. And I, I this is what you want to see, right? This is why Rob Childress is where he's at, and that's not anything defamatory or denigrating Coach Christie, love Coach Christie. I'm just saying you saw what today? What is when we talked the job about Nebraska pitching, what is Rob Childress what is his edict? <laughs> it is to go compete, whether you're having your best day or you're not feeling a thousand percent. But Nebraska is pitching the strength today and Nebraska's offense very, very timely. Four runs, five hits, one error committed for Nebraska baseball. Uh, Baylor, one run, seven hits. But to Dylan Carey was just tremendous, two for four with uh, two doubles and two RBIs. Both of those uh, RBIs were with two outs. Uh, you have uh, Brambaugh, also two for four with an RBI. Garrett Englund, how about him coming into the ninth and just getting enough of that yellow line to left field with the solo home run? Nebraska also got a bunt over to add a second ninth inning run in the top of the ninth for the uh, the insurance four to one it is. But Sears pitched well, got the no decision five and a third, one uh, one run, three hits, seven strikeouts. Timmerman came in, uh, got the win, went one and two thirds scoreless. Kyle Perry uh, goose eggs in the eighth, and then uh, the dice man Casey Dice a one two three ninth. So no walks, nine strikeouts. Three two-out hits, three of the four runs scored with two outs. Uh, that's you, you mentioned one stat you kind of glazed over. It's the number one stat I look at from today from this pitching staff. Zero free passes. Mm-hmm. No bases on balls. No hit by pitch. You made Baylor earn it. And that's what, what led to so much of this success. And you can look at, at Sears with the seven strikeouts. That was awesome. Uh, Perry got himself one, which was good to see. Dice got himself one, and he looked nails in the ninth inning. Uh, but the the stat that just jumps off the page to me is the Husker pitching staff did not give up a free pass today. And that is the, the ticket to winning baseball. It's one of the biggest problems this pitching staff had last year was free passes, giving teams life. Oh, you're up by one in the seventh on a Tuesday night game, and here's back-to-back free passes, and now they got a runner in scoring position with nobody out in the seventh. And then you look up, and three batteries later, you find yourselves down by two runs. Like, this is this is the story of the Husker baseball team last year, and it's a huge step in the right direction that they didn't give up any free passes. The timely hitting was nice. Uh, you get an insurance run in the ninth on the, the solo home run. But at the end of the day, this was a, a great pitching performance from Husker baseball. They got enough run support, which was complimentary. And, uh, I mean, from the, the batting perspective, I think the biggest thing you can say is on a day when Baylor had 
uh, pitch counts in place, and most teams in the country have pitch counts in place. They worked deep into counts. They really ate up uh, a lot of pitches. They got themselves into the Baylor bullpen, and they were able to do some work on the Baylor bullpen. I mean, uh, who was the, the starter? Marriott for, for Baylor. Mm-hmm. He had a fantastic performance, too, but as soon as you chased him from that game, you looked really, really good against the Baylor relievers, which was just sticking to it, uh, competing, not getting down on yourself, and it all obviously helps whenever your pitching staff has a day like that, not giving up any free passes, and really, I, I don't want to call it flawless pitching performances, uh, but You're going to take it and to run it. to start the year. For, for, for what you can get in game one of the year, that was as, as good as you can get. Yeah, it was tough sledding for offense early for both sides, really. But for Nebraska, I mean, they were getting no hit for, I believe, five and a third. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I was able to watch First the game. First hit came in in the sixth. Yeah, yep. I was able to watch the game on and off throughout the day. But you strike out 14 times. You get no hit for at least five innings. And then you battle – and you're able to get it done. And you mentioned Dylan Carey with two two out RBIs. Mm-hmm. I saw the second one, and it hung up there forever out in left field. <laughs> and everybody in, in red and white's like, drop, drop, drop. And then it finally does. So they cash in on that opportunity, and then they get later insurance runs. Great to see the bullpen do well. Great to see a guy like Kyle Perry, who's a sixth year, go mm-hmm. you know have a pretty easy time um, in his one inning. Obviously. Brett Sears was great, seven strikeouts to no walks. As Elijah mentioned, that's what sticks out uh, for this pitching staff. He only gave up three hits in the one earned run. You'll take that any day of the week. So tough sledding early offensively, but they were able to stay patient, figure it out. As Elijah said, work deep into those pitch counts and those in those at bats, and they they battled and got it done. And again, as, uh, piggybacking off of what Elijah had to say. Maybe you don't see that very often last year, but this is a – I know it's one game. Didn't so see they, it enough. Yeah, they, they play a lot of games. This is a promising start. Well, and and our dear friend Mitch Sherman uh, with The Athletic put out this tweet, first time in what, since 2020? First time uh, – second time in, in program history and the first time since 2020 that Nebraska has faced a Power 5 team in their opening game of the season and won. Obviously, uh, you go back to 2020 and the next – month was not great you you go then to you un- get it canceled you go on to yeah. lose six straight and then the season gets canceled so you're hoping for better this year but uh, even despite that that you beat Baylor four years ago to be the only time you beat a, a power five team in your opening game of the year this performance was was a little bit different I mean I, I look at Sears 20 batters only 72 pitches that's a pretty astounding start to the season. I mean, I think you're averaging just under four pitches per at-bat, which is really, really good. You're, you're, you're pitching to contact. You were throwing first pitch strikes. Uh, the bullpen comes in and looks really good. This is, this is just an encouraging performance of the Husker baseball team. I don't think this is the, the Baylor squads of old that you sometimes think about. Um, they, they had a really down year last year. It's kind of the second year of their rebuild. They're on the upward trajectory, but uh, probably the easiest of the three teams that you're going to be facing this weekend. It's good to go out and get a win. Let's see what they can do the rest of the weekend, though. We'll uh, get some thoughts on uh, the outing today and, and the look ahead. Texas Tech tomorrow, Oklahoma Sunday, Jabba Chamberlain in 20 minutes. And you can watch that. You can hear it, obviously, but you can watch it. The Hale Varsity YouTube, he'll be joining us in the stream uh, as well as uh, Jacob Padilla here in about five minutes. Basketball, as Nebraska gets back at it, uh, they are still in a lot of projections on the right side of the bubble. You look at the Jay Billis index, and I was looking at you know his, his ranking. He ranks 1 through 68, does this about every week or every other week. And he, he starts things off with you know a fair question about what do you make of Kansas? 
right? Because Kansas can look great. You look at their wins, They're and then you look at right, and then you look at them just get absolutely destroyed, probably by a three to a five seed, maybe a six seed in Texas Tech. We'll see how the the uh, the season finishes out for the Red Raiders. But the point is, you can look good and terrible. You know it well if you're a Nebraska basketball fan because you look really, really good most of the time, if not all the time, at PBA. But you don't look that way on the road, or at least you've you've not had closing. Uh, bat, yeah, you've not had winning uh, winning time be a reality on the road. To play devil's advocate for Kansas just in this particular situation, I think that also speaks volumes to how good the Big 12 is. I they're, mean, the Big 12 nails. is legit. Yeah, they're, them and the SEC are going to put I me. Mean, Kansas, I mean, I should say the Big 12 is supposed to put 10. It, they're close. I mean, they got they're, nine right now. Yeah, yeah ten, nine, nine for sure, 10 maybe. The SEC's loaded this year too, and uh, that's taken away from – you know, your typical, at worst, seven-bid Big Ten season. All right, Jacob Adil is on the way. Jabba Chamberlain, Bill Dolman, all straight ahead of Friday with Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Friday edition, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in with Hale Varsity and Herd at Sports, Jacob Padilla at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Can watch uh, this segment also, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Jacob, good to spend time with you. Thanks for jumping on. How are you? I'm doing all right. Glad we could uh, work it out this week. Yeah. Well, thanks for your your patience and understanding, and it's good to good to, good to get connected. And we'll uh, start off with some Nebraska basketball. We'll get to Creighton. We'll get to some high school. And uh, you know, Nebraska right now is still in the thick of it. Fred talked today about meaningful basketball in February and then beyond. If, if you're uh, looking at the, uh, the the glass half full for Nebraska and their schedule, where do you see Nebraska, I guess, taking that step? What area of their game, what part of the team are you thinking, okay, they can turn a corner and, and maybe finish strong here February to March? What are you encouraged by at this point in the year by the team? Well, I don't know if uh, I'd say encourage. I mean, I think the opportunity that, that lies out there is to win on the road. That's, uh, I mean, you look at, kind of the remaining schedule and they don't face a um, top top 50 Kempom team. Um, I mean, the, the highest ranked team left on their schedule is Ohio State. And obviously they just fired their coach. So who knows what that, uh, that game will look like once they get to that point. But um, they've got 
one, two, three chances here to win on a road against teams that uh, I think they've, sh- I mean, against teams they've already beat at home. Mm-hmm. So teams that th- they should be better than. Um, so like you got to kind of complete that part of the resume to, to feel good heading into selection Sunday to where uh, the selection committee can't look at that as a reason to keep them out. You just want to give them reasons. All right. Look at the, look at this win over Purdue win over Wisconsin when they were playing well. Um, look at this overall win total, uh, all, all this sort of things. You take away that. Oh, that, that really outlier did not win a single big 10 game uh, on the road. Um, I, I think the resume looks a lot better. So that's, they've shown that they can beat uh, a lot of teams on their schedule. I mean, any, any team on their schedule against, <laughs> yeah, they beat Purdue. It's just a matter of, can they find a way to consistently play that way to translate what they're doing at home to a certain degree on the road to where they can go beat a team. They're better at, uh, better than. It's Jacob Badillo with us here on Hale varsity radio and Jacob in a season where the AP top 10 is sub 500 on the road. Do you think there's a, a little bit of grace that's given to Nebraska. We've seen this happen in the NCAA tournament over the course of the past couple of years where it really feels like there's just a whole bunch more parity in college basketball since the the, the transfer portal really came into the, the forefront of the NCAA and college athletics. Do you think that in a season like this, the selection committee might look at that differently than if this was, say, three or four years ago whenever uh, it was seemingly easier to win on the road? And, and that's why I think it's important to get just one or two. Like, again, that's still going to end up with a brutal road record, but it doesn't look so – it doesn't stand out as much as a big zero in that column to win one road game the entire season. Like, yes, a lot of – it's really hard to win on the road in college basketball uh, for even the best teams in the country. Um, just don't be extra bad at it than everybody else, <laughs> I think, is the key. Don't, like I said, don't give them a reason to keep you out. So um, you get at the end of the season here, all right, you go three and whatever on the road. Not great, but they, they did out go out and get a couple, get a few wins there. Uh, if if they, they drop these last three on the road against, again, teams that they have already beat at home, that they've shown they're better than, then um, you start to kind of look side-eye at the resume a little bit more. You finish the entire season with one road win. That stands out even beyond everybody else losing on the road. It's you, you lost on the road more than anybody else in the country almost that, that's in consideration for the field. Jacob, briefly here to, to flip it around, you've seen a lot of college basketball. What is it with Pinnacle Bank Arena this year? Because Purdue fell victim to it. Wisconsin fell victim to it. Even Caitlin Clark, arguably the best <laughs> women's basketball player we've ever seen, seemed to fall victim to the, the Pinnacle Bank Arena magic. What is it about Pinnacle Bank Arena that is so difficult to play at based on all the college basketball you've seen? Or is this just a, a one-off, one-year, magic, perfect yeah. storm? Uh, it, it's hard to answer because I haven't been there this year, really, um, for, for most of the season. Uh, when I was there, uh, they were doing a lot of losing, unfortunately. <laughs> so, we found it. Uh, we found the answer. There's the answer. Yeah, so uh, it's, I mean, we, we know what the Nebraska fan base can be when, I mean, they're, they're loyal to even when the team isn't having success. But when when things are going well, they really get into it. They, they provide a great home atmosphere fans really get after it heckling opponents um that's certainly part of it Uh, as for the kind of the psychological impact on nebraska i'm not really sure what it is 
why they do play so much better. Like out, it's an outlier how much better they are on the home versus road compared to every other team where there is a big split. Um, we see just they're capable of anything, I guess, except for being Creighton <laughs> at home this season. Um, but on the road, they just can't find a way to carry that magic forward. And I think the the the, the fan support that's certainly part of it. Um, but I don't know what the the reason for the complete like 180 for their performance is. But I think all of it plays together. Just the the team is better for one. Uh, I mean, uh, if we're talking about the men's side here, the team's better. Um, so the fans are showing up and supporting it uh, even more than they have previously. Um, and then you're having success, so it kind of snowballs and um, able to, to get some big wins here. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure it's been a heck of a season for the fans that have been uh, there at PBA uh, week in and week out. And let it be known, just for the record, whenever Jacob said they've been able to be everybody at home except for Creighton, he had a slight smirk on his face. Let's just have that on the record. Well, I mean, it is a true fact, unfortunately. <laughs> I have a two-parter for you here, Jacob. First of all, does margin and like margin of victory matter for Nebraska down a stretch here, first of all? And second of all, more of a broad college basketball question today, who is Jacob Padilla's number one overall seed in the tournament? Um, so margin does matter insofar as you want to improve that net as much as possible. Like they're they're kind of in that little in between area where it's not great, but they're it's not damaging either. Like if you can move that up, uh, um, you you feel even more comfortable heading in there um, when you talk about at large consideration there. And as we've seen, margin for error or margin for uh, victory plays into the net rankings. And so um, from that standpoint, yeah, that would help a lot. Um, at, At this point on the road. You just got to go get a win. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily. I mean, you feel better about them blowing out team, uh, bad teams on the road, but let's let's take baby steps. Start getting uh, getting the wins there, uh, just whatever it may take, and then really try to uh, win convincingly at home. Because again, like the, <clears throat> tournament selection is based on season as a whole. You look at the resume, but um, you do like to leave a good last impression, certainly mm. put something in, into their minds when they're thinking about, okay, how good is this team? What have they accomplished? Adding a few kind of exclamation point wins at the end of the season uh, will only help, uh, will help their metrics and help their perception. As for the second part, I think you have to go with UConn at this point. Just I agree. because they're, we saw Purdue kind of trip up a couple of times now. Uh, it wasn't just, it wasn't just Nebraska. So um, it, right now, I mean, it look, Purdue and UConn kind of look like the clear best teams in the country. And I think UConn's been able to be more consistent th- than Purdue. They, they were able to keep winning with, with the injuries that they sustained to um, Donovan Klingon and Stefan Castle has been out. So they haven't, it's not like they've been healthy all season. They've missed some key pieces and just continue to roll. Uh, they've got kind of the most probably complete team in the country in terms of pieces uh impact pieces at, at every spot on the floor so um I'll, I'll go with UConn uh as the I mean kind of been joking recently it kind of seems like UConn might be the only good team uh in the country because everybody <laughs> else everybody gets up to that two three spot they're taking a loss um nobody can seem to sustain success outside of UConn at this point Jacob I want to ask you about Creighton and uh Butler 
this weekend important, but what's what's the vibe right now with some of the smoke around Coach Mack and the Ohio State opening? What what do you believe? Uh, I mean, so anytime there's administration changes, like you, it's I think there's reason to like wonder. Okay, what's it look like, especially when the the coach was so close with the previous mm-hmm. administration and changes at president, changes at uh, AD over, over the last few years. And, I, um, and so it, it's it's just, I think the athletic department is a different place than it was previously. That being said, he just did sign the extension a couple of years ago, whenever that was. Um, uh, and since then, they've continued to elevate the recruiting. They've continued to, they made a deep tournament run last year, um, deepest the team's ever gone. So um, I think I think we're, we're seeing a coach's agent do his job uh, like he has every offseason. Ultimately, um, I think it's on Creighton and the administration to make sure that McDermott understands that he's valued here uh, and they take care of him. But uh, in the meantime, I mean, he's going to keep doing his job here. And if if your coach isn't in some of these, uh, it, then it's probably not a great thing because uh, for um, because it means that he's wanted that he's mm-hmm. doing a really good job uh, and people nationally are, are taking notice. So um, yeah, I think there's, I don't think it's a complete nothing, um, but I, I think we're, I don't think we'll, we'll know if there, how much is until later down the road. Sure. I think right now it's all basketball and they'll cycle back. That, that'll be between, uh, Creighton and McDermott's agent and kind of figuring out, all right, um, what does this look like moving forward? Um, but yeah, he's doing a really good job. And I mean, any program in the country would be lucky to have him. Jacob, before we get you out of here, about 60 seconds, if you are Ohio State or I guess Michigan, they're probably going to be looking for another head coach this offseason too. Focusing on the Big Ten schools, where do you go? I have no idea. I mean, there, there's an extensive list of candidates that they've, uh, I've seen thrown out there. I don't know that I have a favorite. It's kind of, kind of weird. I, I just, I don't know what happened there with that program. But Holtman was a really good coach, got off to a great start there, and then the last couple of years just stumbled. I know it's it's hard being the uh, kind of the basketball coach at a football program, especially now with the, we're kind of navigating the NIL world where there's only a finite number of uh, amount of money, and a lot of it at a program like that is going to football. So what does that look like for basketball? So um, it, it's it's a Big Ten job. It's a great job. Um, they're going to be able to hire a good coach, probably a sitting head coach from somewhere. Um, but it's not necessary. I think it's definitely a much better football job than it is basketball. And there are some challenges with it. So I'll be curious to see kind of where they go and who, who, who does show interest in the job. Jacob Adela with Hale Varsity, Herd at Sports at Jacob Adela underscore. Jacob, thanks for squeezing us in today. Appreciate you. Yep. Thanks, guys. There he is. Good to hear from Jacob. Uh, open phones till five on the way. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Friday edition, Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Moore. 
Uh, comments in the stream, no pun intended, with uh, the uh, topic troth, t- troth gate, I guess, is, is what we'll get into. As uh, Tuck asked about uh, the troth, uh, Justin has uh, pro uh, advice uh, to you, Elijah, next time you're uh, headed to the troth. I never heard well, this one specific before. that was. Stand back so you hit the back you of the You were worried about splattering. Just after the top of your arc. I'd never heard that one before. I usually, I'm going for like firepower, you know. I, I want to be in there as quick as possible. <laughs> So I can get Jabba back to the Chamberlain game. has left the chat <laughs> as uh, Oscar Great, World Series champ, uh, Yankee, and a uh, great uh, pro career. Jabba, we, we, we will stick with baseball here. <laughs> hey, they have them at Wrigley Field. So, I mean, there's. I haven't there's been to time. Wrigley in, in 100 years. You're talking about velocity. We could be talking about the troughs or Husker baseball in the pitching. Yeah, you need to throw strikes uh, when, it's, when you step up, right? Uh, Jabba, how are you, man? Good to spend time. I'm good, other than the fact that it got cold again here. Like, this doesn't, I mean, it's it's bipolar here. You know that. No, it's all good. Jabba, you're, you're bundled up, but you still look, uh, you know, bundled up enough to go go play catch. What would you think? Four to one, uh, opening uh, win against Baylor. Uh, Rob and the crew on the hill, man, they got it done. Yeah, I think Sears, I mean, Sears came out and set the tempo. I loved I, I I just like we we talked about on our podcast is just the tempo and everything. Seven punch out zero walks. You know, went out and did his thing, created created what he needed to create in the aspect of what it was. And then obviously, you know, Tucker comes in and obviously gives up the double, but you know, get his his feet under him and and get him throwing the ball. I kind of love KP in in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you keep him there, or you know, do you try and, and and do you know something else to to get him back in the starting? Because I mean, he's done he's done it all. He's yeah. kind of been everywhere in between. So, but no, I mean, top to bottom, and in, in what we've talked about, I I think they they dotted the i's and crossed the t's in in game one, and I think it was. Uh, it was a fun game to watch. It was a great, great tempo, great defense. Did the small things really, really well. Um, had zero walks, and I, I, I think that's huge. And then, then that that plays over, and it turns into to what it is. And I, I think that's just the recipe for for the win and, and getting big hits. And do I think he misread the ball in left field a little bit? He probably thought it was hit a little bit hurt harder than it was on um on uh who was it oh yeah it was dylan Carry, yeah. Yeah. yeah rbi and so yeah no I, I i think it's a great game one i really can't there's there's nothing to really complain about yeah you you laid out your the things you're going to be watching for this weekend job on the newest episode of the triple play podcast go check that out if you haven't checked it out just yet and the things that you kind of laid out from a pitching perspective, Jabba, were first pitch strikes, that strikeout to walk ratio, and getting early contact. And I think the Husker pitchers kind of checked all three of those boxes. And the last one is just go out there and compete. And I think you had four pitchers step to the mound today who really gave it their all, who really competed in game one of the year. Uh, Sears looked fantastic. I love Timmerman, the freshman, being able to generate some contact. And as you said, it led to a double once, but. I did a great job working that ground ball and getting the double play. Kyle Perry was great in that setup role. I think the Husker coaches got what they wanted from their first four pitchers to, to see the mound this season today. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's not much more you can ask for. And I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm saying exactly what Rob would probably say, but <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, you know, w- when that gets instilled and beat into you, it, it's something that sticks with you. And it obviously has translated into what the pitching staff is now. And we saw it firsthand today. And, and hopefully it continues to carry over and, and do that. I mean, obviously the, the confidence in bringing in Tucker first out of the pen in that type of game showed you the confidence they have in his arm and what he can do. Um, pretty sure that's probably going to happen with Ryan Ariel when, when the next game comes and he, he's going to be that guy. But it's just you have the opportunity to have that quality of arms to be able to do that. And I, and I think that is such an added value and everything that we're going to do to be successful this season because, as we've talked about, is the bullpen's going to be a huge part. Yes, Sears did his, but then at the same time, it's like, well, once the ball's handed off, are we going to be able to handle the rest of the game? Jabba Chamberlain's with us on Hill Varsity Radio. And as a pitcher, when the staff is cruising and not giving up free bases, striking batters out, and then for the first little bit over half the game, the offense really hasn't been able to get anything going. As a staff and as a pitcher, how do you keep those guys in it, believing that they're going to get it done? Because obviously something flipped there in the last three or so innings. Well, I think the, 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 the thing as a whole is like, the hitters will understand it's like they're keeping us in the game. We got to do something. Mm. Like, we've gotten one. Okay, like, how did, like, they're keeping us in the game. You know, how can we, on the other side, do the same thing? Like, we're in the game. It was 0-0. Then it was one nothing. Then it was 1-1. How do we go about that aspect of it? And I think it's, it's contagious, right? It, it's contagious in the fact you see what the pitching staff's doing. You see what the guy in front of you has done. And it just, I think it's all relative and contagious to where it's like, damn, I don't want to let them down. You know, let's, let, let's figure out a way to scratch a run across. Let's figure out a way to make sure we keep this a game. And I think that's what they did. And they, and they saw it. And then, you know, it obviously came out to a 4 1 win. But I think when you look at it as a whole, Connor, and it's how everybody puts themselves together and how they understand both sides of the fence, where it's like they're keeping us in the game, we got to do our part too. Job, i got uh, about two minutes before we have a hard break. We'll carry you over uh, in the next segment if you've got a couple of minutes. But speak real quick about what, what type of energy two out hits can bring into the into the dugout oh huge i mean it's it's something where like i said it's contagious like somebody coming up big with that hit somebody stepping up you know getting a big out doing that and then next thing you know you get a huge two out hit an rbi and then boom here you go you know and then you got somebody coming off the bench hitting a homer like i mean that that's just it's it's a recipe for for success and it, it makes everybody better pretty demoralizing too you give up a two out <laughs> you're up you're up you know two out 
I should say, two strike, two out, and and they still get one off you. Jabba, hang tight for us. Chill in the green room, and uh, we'll have some more thoughts from Jabba Chamberlain, Husker great and Major League Baseball veteran, two-time World Series champ, and part of the Triple Play podcast with Third Ad Sports. Can check that out. Elijah's on that. I'm on that with Jabba, and uh, can find that on Spotify and iTunes. You want to check out Jabba's Nebraska 2024 preview. Do it. Uh, we'll have more Jabba thoughts coming up as Nebraska and T-Tech get rolling tomorrow at 3. Now, we wind down our one at Tail Varsity, and we're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding down this first hour, Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Cotter Clark, Jabba Chamberlain, recapping Nebraska's 4-1 win over Baylor in Arlington, Nebraska, Texas Tech tomorrow. And, and uh, Jabba, I want to get your take here on, on Will Walsh. The lefty takes the hill tomorrow. And uh, another RPI builder. I know Baylor's been in transition a bit. Uh, Texas Tech comes in ranked 21st. And uh, what do you like about Walsh? I, I think it's – he builds off what Sears did today. Mm. And I, I think, you know, seeing what it was and obviously – Baylor coming off, I think, what was it, a 20-win season, and they're, they're trying to get back to where they, they want to be. But I think it's it's building off what he established, and that's throwing strikes, early contact, and, you know, keeping us in the game and being able to, you know, go deep. And I think it was he threw – Sears threw 72 pitches today. I think being around that mark, but getting into the sixth inning and getting us depth and, and getting deep into the game, I, I think that's that's huge. And I think what he saw, they're, they're going to build off that because you saw a guy go out and do what he did in game one. You want to go do the same thing or be better in game two. And I, I think getting us deep into the game and, and – getting us into the bullpen and and seeing what we've got there um, is going to be huge in, in, you know, building everything that we want to build from the ground up. And and then that's game one. And, and, you know, it started great. And I think, you know, he's going to go out and establish the strike zone. His secondary stuff, I, I think, is is really, really, really good. And I think it's going to be a good matchup, and especially with a top twenty-five team, where you're, you know, you know, you got you got to lay them on the line a little bit. Job, you think it's it's more important whenever you play a top twenty-five team, and it kind of varies on every on every team. But not knowing much about these teams to start off the season, just kind of getting some preseason feelers. It's going to be offense or defense that's more important tomorrow because Huskers got a healthy mix of both today. The offense really came along in the later innings. What do you think is going to be more important if you want to go take down a squad like Texas Tech, especially early in the season? They've been practicing outside, and they're, they're a pretty good team. Uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously all facets of it. I mean, we've got, you know, the ball bounced our couple of ways. You know, Dylan dives at third, and it goes straight to the shortstop when we get the out, right? So, you know, the ball was bouncing the right way, but – I think it's 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 going to be all components of of what we need. Um, you know, obviously playing a team of of that stature and, and what they're coming in as, it, you're going to need to do from 
from start to finish. It, it's going to be throwing strikes. It's going to be playing defense. It's going to be doing the small things really, really well. And, you know, if, if you keep the same same recipe as we did today, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to work. And it, it will be something that you can build off of. And it's something where you, you can still get better. Mm-hmm. And I think they know that. And I, I think this is just, it was, it was a great indication of, of what the value of this team is. It's Jabba Chamberlain, Husker standout, and, of course, a two-time World Series champ. Jabba, we'll uh, sit down for another pod next week. Thanks for giving us some time today, bud. All right, you're welcome. Dad, I love you. He's watching and listening. I love it. Appreciate you, Jabba. Thanks. He's the pride of Fairbury, an average Joe. Bill Dolman, the professor. I had a 6 ACT in 1967. One time I got an A and my grandma beat me for cheating. Now with Hale Varsity Radio. It's that time. It's hour two. We kick it off with the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor. It is Bill Dolman at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Billy D, how's the week? Thanks for hanging out. Just uh, enjoying this uh, wonderful spring-like Nebraska day. <laughs> Good grief! Woke up this one morning, there's snow and... on the ground. Where that got? What happened to that groundhog thing? That was pretty promising, wasn't it? Oh, Puck's Tony Phil's washed, dude. Yeah, uh, Phil. Washed. Phil has a contract out on his life. <laughs> Whenever your average for picking the winter is the same as an MLB hitter, you got problems. If you're sub 500, <laughs> you got two options, man. Like you should at least be 50-50. But that's what I say at the sports book too, and I'm not. Hey, I don't see you predicting the spring or the winter. I I, I could have you told you. Could, you think you could do it any it's better than easily? He can? It's easily predictable. It's going to suck. <laughs> I, well, I, I I can tell you this: is how February always goes. You have like a week long stretch where you're like, oh man, we're through yeah. the worst of it, and then it cools down yeah. a little bit, and you're like, oh okay, we should have known better. It is still wintertime, and it's going to warm back up, and that's when the one that really gets you. And you're the right. fool who keeps believing that. Because the next time it's going to warm up, probably like next weekend, we're going to say, ah, then, look at this. Now then, it's actually yeah. spring, and then you're going to get the coldest week of the year. That's going to kill you. And then you can enjoy like your one week of spring before 90-degree weather hits. We're going to have we're gonna have like a blizzard for one of the state basketball tournaments and when all the one ways become two ways and then icy right that's wow. what's going to happen in lincoln right i love that when the one ways become the two ways <laughs> fairberry slander comes out <laughs> bill let's talk some football and you have the uh the s&p predictive metrics that have come out we've spent a little time on that this week uh, nebraska uh seven and five per fan duel that's the over under and if you're if you're going to lean right now, just kind of blind Pepsi challenge, are you leaning closer to six and six or nine and three? Well, I got them thirteen and zero, okay. so uh, <laughs> I, that might upset the um, the analytics scale. Okay, uh, I, I wow. look objectively. Uh, I, I I'm leaning more nine and three because mm. I. I People have looked at Nebraska's second half of the schedule saying, well, once they get through that first half, which is pretty user-friendly, right? I mean, you kick off with UTEP at home, a new coach. Uh, I don't think Nebraska is going to be as blinded by the light, if you will, when they when they take on Deion Sanders. I'm not going to say Coach Prime. Uh, Deion Sanders is a buff. I think this is going to be a completely different um, 
atmosphere, especially because it's at home, right? And then the rest of the schedule for the first half is pretty user-friendly. And they say, well, they've got USC, and then they've got UCLA. And I'm like, whoa, 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 UCLA. I was dismissing USC or UCLA, beg your pardon, a few months ago. Now, they, maybe they will turn things around under Deshaun, not Watson Foster, right? But I, I, that's, a, that's a program that has been completely in an upheaval for months now. They, they did not have a great recruiting class. Their coach is gone right before spring ball. Uh, you've got a first-year head coach. That's going to be a tremendous learning curve for UCLA, and I would be shocked if they can turn that around coming to Lincoln against the Nebraska team that have some, should have some momentum at that time. Now, the rest of the schedule, sure, you've got some games that you know should be perhaps toss-ups and Nebraska won't be favored, and I, I get all that. But the first half is pretty user-friendly, and Nebraska's got some momentum, and good fortune – which, let's face it, they haven't had for 20 years. Mm. But if they get some good fortune and don't lose games 13-10 on the last second kick, I mean, what are the chances of that? For, maybe, for four straight years. Right. Maybe maybe fortune smiles a little bit differently on the Huskers, and maybe some of those 13-10 close losses become 13-10 close wins. I think maybe Matt, Ro- uh, Matt uh, Rule alluded to that a little bit. You know, you, you, you lose close, then you start to win close, and then you start to win big. I kind of believe that at some point the fortunes have to turn around and those close games are going to go Nebraska's way. And so some of those toss-ups, why wouldn't it be at least, you know, nine and three? Well, although, but, look, I'm looking 13 and 0. And, and by the way, <laughs> USC isn't exactly coming off a stellar season and they're going to have a new quarterback. And the quarterback who was the heir apparent is playing in Boise. You know, it, it, reshuffled deck. Yeah, Bill, Bill whenever you, you talk about the schedule, though, it's a completely different team. So I don't want this to be misconstrued. But the schedule has shades of 2016 Nebraska, where Nebraska opened up that 2016 season with seven straight wins. You get up into the top 25. Your only real test during that time was the, the home game against number 22, Oregon. Like, that's kind of the feel I get with this schedule. Obviously, that back half of the year, Kind of hurt that team as they played finished, well against whiskey, but Ohio State they, they finished they dropped they yeah. finished down the stretch two and four uh, like if you include the bowl game to finish right, at nine and four happen. on the year but Look. but from a scheduling point of view how favorably that schedule set up for a team that wasn't Nebraska's best kind of strikes me as this same twenty twenty four schedule of I don't think this is Nebraska's best football team they've put on the field not by a long stretch but I think the schedule sets up for them where if you get momentum going in the right way momentum's hard to quantify in sports. Right, but also consider the the air around Nebraska football right now, the culture around Nebraska football. It's different now than it was in 2016. Things had not gone entirely south, you know. For uh, who was it, Riley? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, which <laughs> which bad chapter of football was that? Or coaching was that? Um, I, I think I think everybody right now. Sure, we're we're drinking the 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 rule aid, right? But. I think when you consider the, the the culture of Nebraska football, I think people objectively, again, think that it's different. Mm-hmm. And when you have Ty Robinson coming back, you know, because he wants to knows he can be better, and you've got what Nebraska has along both, I think both lines of scrimmage are going to be better. And you've got a defense that is very well respected now. So there. I just think that, yeah, the schedule is similar, I, but I think the, the culture of the team is different than it was, what, now seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's there's reason to believe that culture is going to help win some games this year. Bill, I know you're not going to like this. And a Big Ten championship and go to the college <laughs> football playoff, but go ahead, Connor. 
I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I know that you have Dylan Raiola coming in. I know he's a five-star. He's still a freshman. Does that knock you off the nine-win pedestal at least a little bit? Look, it's not easy for a freshman to win, especially in a conference like like the Big Ten is going to be. But I, I, I can think of the few freshmen who have done okay for themselves. I, I, I was down in, in Houston at the time when Johnny Manziel came on the scene, did okay for himself as a freshman and, and as a sophomore, right? Um, I think Caleb Williams was pretty good as a freshman at Oklahoma. Uh, I think you know Spencer Rattler didn't have a good freshman season at Oklahoma I mean it's not impossible it's not impossible for a freshman to come in and not have to be the star I don't think Dylan Rayola has to be the star of the Nebraska football team I think he just has to have a solid freshman season try to limit mistakes have a coaching staff that coaches within his capability and doesn't put it all on him and say, you're the guy who has to carry this football team. And Dylan needs to understand that he doesn't need to carry this football team. How about we not, How about collectively the team not fumble, right? <laughs> um, Dylan Rayola is not going to be playing on that 3-3-5 defense that we all think is going to be really good. It was good last year. So Dylan Rayola doesn't have to be the one who uh, Nebraska relies on. He needs, to be, he needs to be serviceable. He needs to be solid. He needs to be good. He needs to protect the football, making make good decisions, but to put it all on him for Nebraska to be, you know, nine and zero, nine or nine and three. I, I don't think that's the case. So who does need to be the star in your mind? I think that I think co- collectively the defense for one, not just one person. No, not one person is going to win you, you know, championships unless perhaps their last name is Brady or Mahomes. Although I saw that uh, Kansas City picked up uh, a backup quarterback from Pittsburgh, so they've got some insurance in case Mahomes can't carry the team next year. <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't, I don't see it as a, as a one as a one person team that's going to make the whole difference. Um, and that hasn't been the case on you know the great Nebraska football teams of the past. You had a pipeline offensive line. You had a great defense. You had Tommy Frazier had help. If you looked behind him, he had, you know, you know, Lawrence and he had the, the offensive line. And it's a team game, but I think that defense is going to win Nebraska some football games. Bill, you, you've nailed it with some of those freshman examples. They didn't have to be the guy. They had to be better than, than what has been going on the past few years with quarterback play. So do you like that offensive side of the ball with a veteran offensive line picking up the slack? Do you like the running back room? Do you like the receiving core to help complement and aid uh, potentially a, a freshman, a true freshman starter? Is it, is it nice? You were there in 92. We had Will Shields on the offensive line. You had a good black shirt defense. You had, uh, I, I think, uh, Calvin and, and, and Lawrence. So you, you had options. You had talent to... Uh, kind of distribute uh, that that weight that 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 load too. Uh, do you see enough, at least on paper right now, that, that Nebraska can can have uh, some of those uh, those heavy lifters? I, I should also mention, yeah, Tommy Frazier was a freshman who did come in and, and and did pretty well when when it came time for him to start. What was it, the sixth game of the season with a very good supporting cast around him? Tommy didn't have to be Tommy Frazier junior senior his freshman year for that team to be. Uh, really good. I, I think we would all agree, in addition to that defense uh, collectively as a unit being good, I think Nebraska's offensive line has more depth now than than in many years. 
I think that they can probably go solidly too deep for the first time in a while and not try to figure out, well, if the center gets hurt, then we got to bring over a left guard. Then we got to bring in a left tackle to play right guard because the right guard, I don't think they have that right now. Uh, I, I like the running back room. If Irvin and Johnson, one or both can come back and be productive and be healthy. I, I'd have a hard time with Gabe Irvin. I think a hip injury is really something to come back from. Ask Bo Jackson, but maybe, maybe he's more of a fullback type player. I think Quentin Knives has a chance, and the the transfer from Oregon Dowdell. names escaping Dowdell. me. Dowdell uh, is a pretty solid back, and re- and I mentioned it last week, I think, or maybe it was on the Average Joe podcast that if you like San Francisco's offense, not the second half of the Super Bowl, the star of the show there is is the running back, mm-hmm. and they've got the best in the game in Christian McCaffrey. So if Nebraska has a good stable of backs and one that can you know give you fifteen really good carries a game behind a, a deep offensive line. I, I like Nebraska's tight ends a lot, and I think that they'll be utilized. Receivers have some really flashy resumes, don't they? And measurables, as they call them, you know, in the scouting combine, really good measurables. But those guys need to really grow up pretty quickly. That I think that's maybe the biggest, eh, okay, freshman quarterback. But those receivers, are they going to be big play guys? That, I think, is a huge question and collectively banks and Nayor should help supplement that yes These guys that have yep. played ball and and bill yep. i want to get your thoughts here on a, a position group that often goes unnoticed not by me but it's the offensive line did you see enough from them last year with their development to to i don't want to say assume next year will be better but did you see enough from what coach riola instilled within them to think that they're not going to be a problem issue on this team moving forward the one thing about donnie Rayola is i know his players love him and is it the same kind of uh, love that, you know, they had back in the day with the pipeline with Milton Dan? Uh, I think that's probably a, a work in progress. But I know his players like playing for him, which is significant. Uh, I, I think you only need to look at Ben Hart. Two years ago, he was a punchline, right? And last year, you could say he was the best of the offensive line, which was not bad. It wasn't the offensive line that cost Nebraska games. It was holding on to the football, Right. So I, I think if you look at Ben Hart's development, uh, I think you have depth there that's going to push guys to be better um, so that they just can't rely on, well, we don't have numbers behind us, so we're the guys who are going to start. Uh, I think that they can be interchangeable probably through those top 10 players, and I think that's going to make a big difference with this team. So I, I like the makeup of the line, part, partly because I like the culture. That, I say culture a lot, but I know those guys like their coach. And I think he's proven to be a really good uh, hire or retainee by Matt Rule, regardless of who who the quarterback is and what his last name is. Bill, about uh, 90 seconds, uh, the Ohio State opening. I'd uh, love your short list for that opening. Mac has been mentioned, of course, or there's smoke around him from Creighton. Who else kind of tickles your fancy for that Ohio State job? Well, I, I I thought Buzz Williams maybe uh, because he's at Texas A&M and he's at a football school. But I, I was talking to somebody else about it, and I, I didn't realize that, that Williams is, has Texas roots, so maybe he's at home there. And Ross Bjork, who was the AED at Texas A&M, went to Ohio State. So I thought maybe that might be a natural. Uh, but Mick Cronin at, at UCLA, uh, I think – Look, football's not the only one that's got some issues at UCLA. And I could see Mick Cronin has roots in Ohio, a coach at Xavier, Louisville. Since uh, I, I think that one, you know, he had, he had UCLA at a really high level with that one class that's been gone. Now they're in the middle of the Pac-12 
too. Um, I, I think if it's not, I think if you're if you're at Notre Dame, I mean, beg your pardon, Creighton, uh, you are saying a few uh, hail marys that that it's Mick Cronin and not uh, McDermott because I think McDermott would be a great fit there too. Mick uh, Cronin is. I mean, I was watching just a little bit of the UCLA Buffs game last night, and I mean, it's empty seat night at Poly Pavilion, and that's yep. a, that's a that's a yeah. money game it, on a Thursday. And it's not as though you know they they pack him in at, at in Columbus either. Um, you know, it's that's a thing to do, not the thing to do in Columbus. Okay, <laughs> um, you know they're passionate about their football this time. You're waiting for spring ball, but Nebraskans are passionate about basketball too. Ohio State, I don't think that's the case. So that's a tough sell for somebody to take that job. But if you're Mick Cronin and you're in Pauley Pavilion, the house that wouldn't built, and they're not coming, maybe it's time to go. It's a weird combination at Ohio State of high expectations with and, and moderate not, fan support. And, and not, Which is also and not why maybe, the show. maybe McDermott doesn't go because, look, they're packing him in at CHI, and he's you know really the mm-hmm. reason why. Mm-hmm. But this was supposed to be Creighton's year. And I don't think it's going to be. And how tough is it going to be re- rebuild that? And maybe it's time for him to have a new challenge. Billy D will check in with you this weekend, bud. Thanks for jumping on. All right, boys. Go Big Red. See you. There he is. Bill Dolman with us. Connor Onions, BTN, play-by-play man, up next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in Connor Onion, play-by-play man with the Big Ten Network, with ESPN, with Fox. Connor, thanks for giving us a few minutes today. How are you? Guys, thanks for having me. Uh, enjoyed the show today. A little football talk, a little Jabba, a little bathroom etiquette at the beginning. Uh, that was that was well done. We were hoping you didn't hear that. Yeah, because we weren't sure if you were going to answer, but uh, you did, and that's important. Uh, oh, I got, I've actually been calling ever since that topic, and Connor just picked up. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I finally broke through. So yes on the troughs? You know, as as a uh, Chicagoan that's used to the Wrigley Field bathroom setup, I, I am saying. pro trough. I am pro trough. Love it. Love it. Well, I think some of the, the troughs at South Stadium in, in Lincoln are, are maybe – they're not obviously quite as old as, as Wrigley, but they may be up there. I mean, the, the stadium turns 100 this year, and they may be the originals. So, <laughs> but, I didn't realize that was such a unique part of history when I was here for volleyball day. No, well, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other not mentioned part of history <laughs> versus the, uh, right. the important part of history. Imagine that, a little a mini segment on BTN on the troughs at Memorial Never, Stadium. Never, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hate the idea. The history those troughs have seen. Uh, uh, Cotter, let's talk Nebraska here. You've had a chance to see Fred uh, Hoiberg's crew uh, a few times this year, and uh, just kind of get your impression here. They're, they're they're on the bubble. They're in some spots on the right side of it, other places on the wrong, wrong side. What's your takeaway with Nebraska so far? Yeah, I think they're on the right side of the bubble, at least in you know uh, our trusted source of BTN, Mike DeCourcy. Um, you know, he has them on the right side of the bubble, and I'm going to trust what Mike says. Um, you know, this is not new information for your fan base, but uh, it's obviously a very different team at home. Mm. And visiting with Mike Rhodes and the Penn State staff today, um, you know, we were trying to get something out of him to just describe what it's like on tape before they actually walk in there tomorrow to PBA. And it's it's like a lot of the answers that coaches have given us throughout the league, and that's 
that it's really indescribable, but the energy is different. The energy when, when I covered the Huskers at Northwestern versus watching them on tape against Michigan uh, looks like two totally different teams. So um, Coach Hoiberg brought it up the last time they had a, you know, a seven-day break or a six-day break was going into the Creighton game. Um, I, I expect them to be a lot sharper than that. I know that kind of got out of hand toward halftime when they saw the Jays back in December. But um, I, I think this is an NCAA tournament team, and uh, I, I expect them to finish the regular season looking like that. And hopefully tomorrow's not the day that we get the answer to this, but hopefully at some point they can figure out a way to get a road win and, and kind of solidify their spot in the tournament. It's Connor Onion with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Connor, whenever I look at this game tomorrow, the two big red flags I have are, as you kind of mentioned, the seven-day layoff as well as an 11 a.m. tip-off. And I want to get your thoughts specifically on Penn State because we know what Nebraska's been at home. Those two things are a little bit worrisome, but you still think you're going to get a good effort from Nebraska. But where I get worried is if Penn State is able to to throw the first punch, if you will, in, in the game tomorrow in a game where – you know what, Nebraska has been sitting at home for a while, and you know what, the fans, you're never as juiced up for an 11 a.m. game as you are for a 7 or an 8 o'clock game. What's your take on Penn State's ability to potentially throw the first punch tomorrow? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I think Penn State will jolt you just how they play, um, and they are going to come out and get in your space, and they're going to press you a little bit, and I think it'll be really interesting how Nebraska handles their lineup and their rotation, because they've been playing, as you guys know, they've been playing this bigger lineup a lot more lately with, with Bryce Williams handling the ball a little bit more at six foot seven and Jamarcus Lawrence coming off the bench. I would expect to see a lot of Jamarcus Lawrence. I mean, we've seen him a lot off the bench, even since they made the change, but I I think they're going to need his ball handling on the floor a lot because Penn state is, a team that turns you over as much as anybody in the Big Ten and uh, almost as much as anybody in the country. So they, they are going to come out and punch you with, with their pressure, and it's not a style that really anybody in the Big Ten plays. So I think that factored in with the early start, the layoff. Um, Nebraska's going to have to be ready to play right away, which, which I expect them to be. I, I think the, the rest versus rest conversation, I expect it to be – more heavy on the rest being a benefit rather than there being some rust after playing well uh, for most of that game against Michigan. Connor, Nebraska's only a game up technically on Penn State in the Big Ten standings. And when you look at it, everywhere between where Nebraska's located all the way down to 12, it's just kind of a, a big mess. What do you make of that? And how important is not only this game for Nebraska, but really down the stretch because they play a lot of those teams that's located in that jumble right in the middle? Yeah, well, there's there's also the fact that they're only a game back from getting a, a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, that's how close it is in the middle, and that's that's how it was last year. I'm sure you guys remember the final day of the year in the Big Ten. Nebraska, or I'm sorry, Northwestern played Rutgers, and Northwestern, if they won that game, they could have been second, which they ended up being, but if they lost that game, they would have been ninth. And I think we're headed to... That game that Nebraska is going to play at Michigan on March 10th, I think we're going to see something pretty similar in the standings where all the tiebreakers are going to be at play. Nebraska could have a chance to maybe be a bye, or they could potentially be in a position where you know they're, they're playing in the first day of the conference tournament. That's how tight it is right now, and that's why this game is so important because if they 
find themselves with the same record as Penn State, only playing this one game head-to-head. Um, you know, that might be the difference between playing on Wednesday, Thursday, or potentially getting a bye all the way to Friday when it comes time to go to Minneapolis for the tournament. Connor Onion with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You'll watch him tomorrow on BTN with Nick Baugh. You can also catch him on ESPN and Fox. So we know Nebraska's charge is to, to take care of home court and go get a couple on the road. That being said, uh, who do you kind of put in the, uh, the mix with Nebraska uh, as far as Tell me about Minnesota. Tell me about Rutgers. Who's who's a, uh, I guess a hot slash scary team to you right now? Who's someone to watch out for? Is Penn State in that category? Yeah, they are. Um, you know, resume and metrics wise, Penn State is is decently far off the bubble. That's not to say that they can't play their way in. You know, they're going to have a great opportunity with this game, um, chance to get a quad one win. Uh, Wednesday they play Illinois, and you know they are of course going to have good opportunities in the Big Ten tournament to to maybe work their way into that conversation. But um, you know, going back to the, the the bracketology that we talked about in the beginning, Mike DeCourcy moved Rutgers after they beat uh, Northwestern last night into that group of next four teams out of the NCAA tournament, uh, and since Rutgers got. Jeremiah Williams back. He was um, he, he was involved at Iowa State with the the gambling mm-hmm. situation there, and they're waiting for him to be eligible. And since he came back against Michigan two weeks ago, they've won all four of their games, and they've played their way uh, right on the bubble. So that's a bit of a scary team. You know, they're always going to defend with Steve Peichel. Um, still one of the best teams in the Big Ten defensively, still one of the best teams in the country defensively. Uh, can they get enough offense to beat Purdue, who they have coming up in the schedule? And if they do, then I think they are a legitimate bubble candidate. But uh, it's got to happen in a hurry for Rutgers. Uh, Minnesota kind of in the same category as Penn State, where um, you know they're, they're having a very good season. I was really impressed watching them last night at Purdue. Um, shot the heck out of the ball, especially in that first half. Um, but metric-wise, what they did in the non-conference, they're not quite in that same area as Rutgers is. They're more near Penn State than they are Rutgers as far as playing their, their way onto the bubble at Minnesota. Connor, a couple of minutes here. More of a broad NCAA tournament question. We briefly talked about this in the first hour, but I think UConn is the number one overall seed as of right now. I know DeCourcy is Purdue in that conversation, as they should be. To you, who's that number one team in the country right now that should be at the top of the bracket? Oh, man. Um, you know, that's, you know I, I agree with a lot of the talk of it's UConn, it's Purdue, and then it's the category of everybody else. Um, I would love to see that matchup, whether it's in the Final Four or in the National Championship game. Um, the way the tournament has gone the last several years, I don't know if we'll get it because it just seems like uh, the crash course of the best teams of the country in the regular season, what we think, don't end up in that spot. But um, I, I really think it's 1A and 1B. You know, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to cover both teams this year. Uh, I, I actually covered UConn when – their, their star big man, Donovan Klingon, was out. Um, and they've just gotten better 
since they got their seven-footer back. But seeing him against Zach Eady, I don't think there would be much ground given. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's similar to you know what we saw in the Nebraska win against Purdue here. It comes down to the guards for Purdue, and and UConn has huge guards. They're they're six five and six six in the backcourt, and you know Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer and Lance Jones have been really really good. Uh, they're giving up a little bit of size there, so I think that would be the biggest intrigue for me in that matchup. But right now, I I have them as I know you can't do that in the poll, but I have them as one A and and one B as far as who's the best team in the country. Connor, we quickly need to get your thoughts on Ohio State, but before we get there, does Purdue have the pieces to make a national championship run this year in your mind? Absolutely, and and they're a much better shooting team than last year. They handle pressure a lot better than last year, and um, you know Zachy is going to be the national player of the year again. So. Uh, I, I think the, the the hunger that comes from that pain of last year will also fuel them a little bit. And I, I I have I have very little doubt that they'll be at least playing on the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. All right, Connor, if you're in the athletic offices at Ohio State this week, who are you targeting to be the next Ohio State head coach? Yeah, um, I think you guys talked about it on your last segment. Um, there's, there's a hot name in the state of Nebraska here. Uh, Greg McDermott's name at Creighton is being thrown around quite a bit. And, um, you know, we were, we were talking about that today. Nick and I were Nick Bob, who I'm calling the game with, uh, who's, who's a Creighton alum and, um, just kind of weighing the pros and cons of it. You know, I don't, I don't know how much interest there is from coach McDermott. I'm sure there's going to be interest from Ohio state. Um, but I think the offer's got to be pretty good because you know you're you're a, a controversial fall away and one point away from taking Creighton to the Final Four, so you know it can be done. Uh, where Greg McDermott is now, um, you know I, I think Sean Miller is is going to be very very interested. Uh, he's he's in state there in Ohio at Xavier. Dusty May is interesting. He's he's the coach at, at Florida Atlantic. And he's from Illinois. He went to Indiana and was a student manager for Bob Knight at IU. So he knows the Big Ten. He knows the Midwest. He's gone deep into the NCAA tournament. Um, those, those would probably be my first three calls if, our, if I were Ohio State. Um, and I, I know I'm probably leaving a couple names off that list, but that's, that's kind of where my mind goes right away after hearing that news the other day about um, – the, the change in head coach. Connor, great to spend time with you today. Thanks for, for giving us a few minutes. Connor Onion with us here on Hale Varsity. Have a great call tomorrow, okay? Guys, enjoyed the show. Thanks for having me on. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Friday edition of Hale Varsity. Don't forget the weekend edition tomorrow morning on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. 7.45 a.m. We'll get rolling. Myself, Elijah Herbal, and uh, Mark Cranack. We'll check in with Sharpie. We'll check in with Brandon Vogel. And we'll see the, the racing shirt has been delivered. Oh, so you have the racing shirt. It's, it's Just Mark, kinda re, Mark re, has it. Reset that because you guys did the, uh, the, the merch exchange last yes. Saturday. And this comes from our friend uh, Eric Freer. Yes. Who's on a NASCAR race team. And Are you going to wear it for the Daytona this weekend? Well, Mark has it. I yeah. Uh, so I'd make sure if you get it back from Cranack, make sure he washed it. Well, I washed it before I gave it to Cranack. 
I know you did. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if you get it back for little little Daytona fanboy, that'd be it. That'd be sick. We'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but basically, the story behind it is is uh, Eric works for I believe Ricky Stenhouse. Stenhouse won the Daytona 500 last year. And uh, they've since changed sponsors, so he had a shirt. It's got Kleenex across the front, a whole bunch of fun sponsors on it. And Mark was talking on a Saturday morning show about the potential to to get a shirt like this that we could wear on the Saturday morning show to pimp our sponsors. And uh, Eric just <laughs> sends me a DM and says, hey, you want this shirt? I'll send it over your guys' way. And he sends us this shirt. It's beautiful. Mark came and picked it up from my house last Saturday, so he has it in his possession. We are, are on Mark Cranach NASCAR shirt. Watch to see if he he pulls it out of the closet tomorrow morning. And see if he has it on. I, it should fit. We 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 did a little. We didn't try it on out in front of my house last Saturday, but we did give it the old like hold it up in front of him and see how well it looks. And it looked like it would fit him well. So uh, time will tell. But I think we'll probably see Mark in that shirt tomorrow morning. Clausburn is uh, give him one more phone call because I know the reason he's not picking up is because. He may be in a detention center. He said he was headed south. Uh, and uh, when Cla- when Crane- when Claus says he's heading south, that might mean a balloon run. Yeah, it's usually a coal shipment. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll call it coal. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Look at you. <laughs> Thank you. you. You've watched a lot of Narcos, haven't you? <laughs> well, we'll get to the Friday forecast, uh, the basketball edition. <laughs> Some call it coal, some call it black tar. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was called coal at Guns N' Roses get-togethers. <laughs> okay, so we'll get to the forecast in just a moment. A reminder to get the show uh, on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with uh, Hale Varsity Radio. That's where you can get the pod, the uh, video portion of the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Give us a like. Tell us what you think. And uh, on Twitter, at HVarsityRadio. Let's, without further ado... I've struck out swinging, by the way. You're okay. You foul-tipped a few, and it's it's up to Claus to, right. to dial us back. No worries. Let's uh, dive into this. We'll do it live. We'll do it. Yeah. Uh, we'll <laughs> save Nebraska-Penn State for last. Uh, in Claus's defense, he is driving. He did warn us it's in a spotty area. Think of no country for old men. <laughs> spotty. Gotta get, gotta get Wi-Fi on that sleigh. Possibly. Okay, so uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, I'm going to just say... One and a half Wisconsin. Okay, I had a three and a half. One and a half makes sense. You know, I just... Wisconsin is broken, and I think Nebraska broke them. Give me Iowa. Give me Iowa by about uh, 10. Uh, 78, and I know Iowa averages 90, or I should say 88 at home. So I think Wisconsin's defense dents Iowa a little bit, but give me Iowa at home, 78-68 win uh, outright over Wisconsin. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I think i got to take Iowa as well with that high-flying offense. A.J. Store, really, really good for Wisconsin. He's awesome. Love his game. Uh, as long as Chucky Hepburn isn't playing at Pinnacle Bank Arena, I'll always be rooting for him. But at the end of the day, Iowa, I just think, has way too much offense for this Wisconsin team that's going through a rough patch. Wisconsin's got to get right. Their attorney team... But you got to get some momentum going into the tournament. I don't think that happens tomorrow. I don't think Iowa is the right recipe of a get-right game. I got Iowa winning this one, 84-80. Kind of remember when we were talking about Wisconsin's opportunity against Purdue after Nebraska. They had mm-hmm. a chance to make that statement from two seed to one seed or solidify a two seed. They have free-falled uh, all the way back to probably a six. 
Yeah, they have. I think their game against Ohio State, though, was a pretty large step back in the right direction. Now, not two-seed direction. It was good rehab. Yeah, it was a good, you know, kind of get-back game. I saw a lot of what Wisconsin used to do before that four-game slide. So I'm going to go Wisconsin here. I think they get it done on the road. It's going to be a close game. It's probably going to have to be high-scoring if they do want to win. Uh, but give me the Badgers on the road. I'll go 79-75. Call Look me crazy, but I think the Badgers are starting to get back to what they do. Illinois is at Maryland. What Maryland team do we see? Their defense is high level. Illinois, uh, explosive. And uh, if if uh, Mr. Underwood loses it, those guys kind of snap into form. I think Illinois squeaks out with a win here. I think there's some payback, too, on Illinois' mind because they lost at home earlier in the they year did. to Maryland. Is that line about three and a half? Two and a half. Two and a half. What time is this game at? 4.30 p.m. on Fox. 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time? Yeah. I got to keep on scrolling here. It's two and a half. Uh, one and a half for Illinois. Jeez. All right. Mine says two and a half. Interesting. Hmm. I am getting mine uh, from Odds Shark. Well, that's good. why. Okay. Give me Illinois an outright, and I'll lay the two. I'll, say, I'll just meet you in the middle. I'll lay the two, uh, 75-70 over Maryland. Yeah, I'll take Illinois outright as well. They've been getting really hot. They, they had a dangerous scare against Nebraska, but they've been pretty flawless since then. I'll take Illinois to win this one, 78-69. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people kind of overreacted to Illinois' loss at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I thought Michigan State played really well, and I think they're a pretty good team. So give me Illinois. Um, I will go the Illini 82-71. Sparty is at Michigan. It's a rivalry game. They hate each other. It doesn't matter. It is uh, the just let's drive this program into a ditch era right now at Michigan. You go to you go to the Elite Eight and you inherit greatness from Beeline. And right now you you guys don't care. They're different at home than on the road. I know. Sparty, though, uh, what, not nine and a half? Uh, six. Wow. Okay. I think Michigan State wins by nine and a half or more. Uh, give me Sparty with uh, kind of a hard-fought, workmanlike uh, win there, uh, 72 to 61. Sparty went on the road. Mm, Robbery games suck, I know, but Michigan State's got to have this. I'm struggling with it for the same reason. I think Michigan State needs it more. Michigan strikes me as a team that may have rolled over, but they'll have Doug. They have absolutely rolled over. They're looking for belly rubs. They'll have Doug, what's his name back? Uh, the Doug McDaniel. Doug McDaniel. I always want to say McDermott. I know it's not right. Um, Spelled differently, too. Yeah. I will take D-U-G. <laughs> Who spells their name D-U-G? I, for that reason, does. For that reason, I'm fading Michigan. Give me Sparty. Michigan. Give me Sparty 71 Who to 60. Who spells their name that way? <laughs> I, I I think Sparty gets it done on the road. I think they're playing some of their best basketball of the season thus far. They've won seven of their last nine. They, they kind of dominated Michigan at home earlier this year. So give me the Spartans. I will go 77 to 64. Sparty gets it done. We will have Nebraska predictions, Nebraska, Penn State. And uh, we will have one more effort for Claus. If he is in a detention center, we apologize. We'll wind down to Friday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Thanks for spending time on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you go. Claus uh, is unreachable. We'll try better next time. That is, is next Friday. I know, and he's wearing red. Reminder to get buckled up. Uh, if you When you use your seatbelt, it saves lives. It prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, you got to make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. And uh, let's get back into the, uh, the forecast mode. Nebraska, Penn State. And uh, that is the uh, assignment tomorrow, 11 a.m., PBA. Red beer, Bloody Mary, orange beer. Whatever monstrosity Elijah's going to put in his coffee. <laughs> it's all game. And you'll need to... With the bottle of Jack away from him. You'll, you'll <laughs> need to be feeling it for sure tomorrow. Bring the energy. Bring the A-game if you're a Nebraska fan. I know you will. Reminder about your friends at Supernovas. Supernovas.com. Go see amazing volleyball. Uh, All-Americans. World champions. National champions. CHI. Their home court of course up in omaha uh, and get uh, a hold of your tickets today season ticket or single game tickets when you log on supernovas.com the line is this nebraska minus seven and a half as they host penn state rest versus rust you got alec playing good ball coming off a good good outing uh, you've got rink that's rested up you got Jamarcus accepting his role. Does CJ get back? Does Tominaga play at a efficient level? Fellas, the turnover bug that Penn State brings with them scares me. 16 and a half, 17 turnovers is what they do to people. Nebraska can't handle the ball very well. I'm going Penn State upset. Hello. Tomorrow. The Nittany Lions. I think this is the this is the hiccup. This is the this is the wreck that makes you sweat out the rest of the season. We'll burn these tapes if I'm wrong. Uh, Penn State seventy four, Nebraska seventy three. I have all the same concerns oh, as you do, Schmitty. In this one, that be gut wrenching. Sorry, I, I <laughs> I'm worried about the eleven a.m. I'm worried about the week long layoff. I'm worried about Penn State and their defense. I'm sure about Nebraska but, handling the ball, but. It feels high time. It feels like we're due for Rink Mass to have another one of his good performances. He seems to pull one out every five-ish games. We feel due for, I think, Rink Mass carries Nebraska to victory in the second half. I think Penn State gives Nebraska all they can handle, though. Penn State covers. Nebraska wins. Give me Nebraska 73, Penn State 68. Okay. I think this game uh, has the potential to be pretty scary through the first <laughs> 30 or so minutes. Yep. Um, when your buzz wears off. Yeah. I, I think it could... It could raise some eyebrows in those first 30 minutes. I think Nebraska wakes up for this game. I'm concerned about all the reasons both of you guys are. But at the same time, it makes me feel a little bit better that Fred Hoiberg said that he essentially addressed the elephant in the room to his guys. I mean, this is this is crunch time. This is the most important stretch of basketball in a decade at this university. So I think Nebraska gets it done. Give me the Huskers 72 and the Nittany Lions 60. Okay. Give me the 12 point win at home. Way to nail that 30 second bed in the middle of your He knew it. Too. He's looking Money. at it. Uh, we will check in with you tomorrow morning, 745 weekend edition. Hail Varsity YouTube. Find us there. Connor, thanks. Elijah, thanks. 
We'll talk to you. Minata, weekend edition with Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager.